Hey there, thank you so much for listening to our Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network, live from Washington, D.C. I'm Burke Allen, and the podcast is service of our buddies at speakermatch.com, the United States' largest online virtual speakers bureau. If you're a meeting planner or a speaker, log on to speakermatch.com and check them out. And our guest today is my pal, Dreama Denver, who has a long career as an actress, uh, an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, uh, and now an award-winning author, children's author. The new book is Four Bears in a Box. Hey there, friend. How are you? Burke, Allen, how are you doing in quarantine, my friend? Well, I'm, I'm getting bearded and I'm getting heavier, but I am happy to talk to you. So there are those two things. Okay, well, I think we're all getting heavier. That's just a, a side note to all this. As <laughs> long as it's just heavier for you and no beard, we're okay. Okay, well, no beard. No, we're good there. Hasn't happened yet. We'll see <laughs> how long it goes on. But it's good to be on with you. Well, it's good to have you. And for folks who are listening and may not be familiar with your background, it's pretty fascinating. You know, you grew up uh, in my home state of West Virginia. You then left uh, right after high school and became one of the first 40 cast members at Disney World. And went on to a very successful acting career in the 70s, starring with all sorts of people like Salminio and Al Lewis from the Munsters and Gail Gordon. And then you were cast in a Woody Allen play with a guy who actually took Woody's place in, in Broadway uh, during a touring production there in Florida. And your co-star in that play became the love of your life and your husband. So take me back to August 1977, when this guy walks into that theater in St. Petersburg, Florida, he looks at you and what does he say? Uh, well, the first thing he said, because of the marquee outside the theater, which said Bob Denver starring in Play It Again, Sam, also starring Dreamer, Perry, which was my maiden name. Uh, the first thing he said when he walked through the door was, what the heck is a dreamer? And I raised my hand. I said, that would be me. And he he said, your name is Dreamer? And I said, no, 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 it's Dreama. And he was equally as confused by that. He was <laughs> like, your name is, is Dreama? And I'm like, yes. And he took my hand to shake it. And, you know, it's really nice to meet you, Dreama. And honestly, I know it sounds like, you know, a fantasy, but but something, I mean, even the cast members later told me that they could feel it. There, something just happened. There was a spark that was undeniable and... Uh, we started rehearsals, and we had lots of um, kissing scenes, which we enjoyed a lot <laughs> during, <laughs> during the rehearsal period. And um, I don't know, from that moment, we were together. And when I say together, I mean for just shy of 30 years. So that's, uh, that's, a, pretty, yeah, that's a pretty good run for a kind of love at first sight thing. It's an incredible run. Dream of Denver, our guest on the Big Time Talker podcast today, powered by Speaker Match. Dream and I have been pals for a long time, and we're talking about when she met her husband-to-be, Bob Denver. And you can read all about it, by the way, in Dream's memoir called Gilligan's Dreams, because that's Bob Denver. He played Gilligan on TV and was also one of the stars of Dobie Gillis and a bunch of movies and other TV shows. But um, Dream, you know, you, you gave us the highlights there, but having read Gilligan's Dreams, there were some complications there. So, first of all, when Bob rolls into town, he rolls into town with another lady, and yet 
uh, Sparks oh, yeah. Fly with you guys too in the rehearsal. <laughs> and and you talk about love at first sight, but you had been married once before too. So it's not like, you know, your teenagers who, uh, you know, have a, a big mad crush. There were entanglements that you needed to work out. So walk me through that and what you remember. It's a while ago, but walk me through how you, you untangled yourself from all that. Hi, this is interesting. Nobody's ever asked me these questions. I like this. Um, well, I was 27 years old, and yes, I'd been married um, uh, prior. And actually, on I think it was on opening night of Play It Again, Sam, my divorce papers came through. Oh wow! Uh, I got I got them that day. Um, so um, I was footloose and fancy free. However, Bob did have somebody with him. Uh, he had just done a show in Chicago, and uh, you know, and that gives you pause <laughs> because we're like, okay, wait a minute. Yep. Uh, you know, if he's got, is this just picking somebody up along the way everywhere you go kind of thing? But um, obviously it wasn't, there was just something with us. She was um, pretty. I remember that. She was, um, she didn't like me. I remember that. <laughs> Not went, surprising. Uh, she would sit at rehearsals and shoot daggers at me, but uh but listen, I was so lucky because I had Bob's mother who was with him and uh, two of his kids who were with him liked me and, and they weren't as fond of her. I maybe shouldn't say that, but I had Bob's mom on my side and you couldn't have a better ally than Marion Denver. Let me tell you, <laughs> she was on my side all the way. Mama Denver had your back from the beginning. So, so you guys she meet did. doing this play and then... Um, as I understand it from reading your, your memoir, Gilligan's Dreams, that was kind of it. You basically were then inseparable for the next 30 years. Like he left after that ran, uh, that show ran in, in Florida. He left, you left with him basically. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And we were together. I mean, every minute, you know, some people, Bob always said that our 30 years of marriage was more in Hollywood years. It was more like 60 <laughs> because right. you know Hollywood they're notorious for the 72 day marriages and all that kind of thing but we really you know Bob and I were together all the time there was not Bob going to work from nine to five or me going to work from nine to five we worked together we did um, theater all over the country all over Canada and we were together constantly and the odd thing about I've had women say to me in the past, oh, I couldn't stand to have my husband around that much. But, oh, yeah. but that Bob, that's how we liked it. I mean, we loved the fact that that we were, I mean, together all the time, which ended up serving us really well um, as some challenges came in our marriage. But we, um, you know, we preferred it that way. And so, yes, I we left Florida together, uh, St. Petersburg, and went and spent some time. In the Rocky Mountains, before one of Bob's favorite places, before we went to uh, Texas to do a show. And I want to say it was Amarillo, maybe. I'm not, I don't remember. I'd have to go read my book and see exactly when that was. But yeah, we were together all the time. Dreama Denver, our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast. You can visit her online at dreamadenver.com. She has a brand new award-winning children's book, Four Bears in a Box. And we're talking about the early years of her marriage to Bob Denver, of course, famous for playing Gilligan on Gilligan's Island, an iconic TV show. I, I wonder, Dreama, because you were an actress on the rise. I mean, you were a, a co-starring leading lady. You were 
uh, gorgeous and talented and and doing all of these things with all of these other big stars. And then you met Bob Denver, and suddenly you're with somebody who's really famous and is yeah. you know really well known everywhere. Um, almost to the extent that in, in today's world, you, you can't wrap your head around how famous people were on TV back then because there are only three networks. And, and so, you know, a guy that, that literally could probably at that time in the late 70s not walk into anywhere in America without being recognized. And I wonder, as you look back on those times, if it was difficult for you to to take a little bit of a backseat and to realize, OK, uh, you know, my career was on the way up, but now. Although I'm co-starring, I'm I'm clearly co-starring with somebody who's already there and is a big star. Was that difficult at all for you from an ego standpoint? I, you know, I I don't think so. I mean, I was so silly in love. <laughs> it was I was always okay with the with the sidekick, the you know backseat position. That didn't bother me because I think in my case, um, I'm fame. I would not have turned it down if. Uh, if it had come my way, certainly, that it wasn't the driving force with me. I just felt really blessed to be doing, making a living doing what I love. And I'm sure a lot of people can identify with that. Sure. Um, so it really didn't bother me. I remember a few times when I first started, when we were first together and he would be doing a personal appearance or something, and he always had me with him. And I would be there and literally, uh, because he was extremely well-known, uh, literally people would, women and just people in general would, you know, push me, literally push me out of the way wow. to get to him, to ask him a question or something. And I can remember a few times thinking, what am I chopped liver? Come sure, on. Sure. Know? Understandable. I'm like, a, I'm like the, 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 at the time, the girlfriend standing here, but you know, I found out that, uh, that they don't care about the girlfriend standing there. They just want to get to uh they just wanted to get to him so it wasn't um i think the hardest the, the hardest part i had with that and i'm sure we're probably going to get to this is after i had a baby and couldn't work that was a that was a really difficult adjustment for me to well, go sure. from being with him on stage all the time to not being able to do that anymore that was that was difficult and at that point, when, when you had your son, Colin, um, and Bob is working without you and you're staying home taking care of, of your little boy, was there jealousy? Was that an issue? Because you, you talked earlier about these Hollywood marriages, uh, you know, they, they notoriously don't last because so many women come after these famous guys. Um, they really do. And, and they here do. you are, you know, you're at home being the good wife and the good mother and he's on stage. And I'm sure that, you know, every night they're, you know, starry eyed young ladies who are looking up at Bob Denver thinking, Hmm, I'd like to be involved in that world. Was that a, a difficult transition from a jealousy standpoint? I, um, I don't think so. I mean, I knew, you know, I was still with him. I might not have been on stage with him, but, uh, I'm thinking in particular, the first show he ever did without me was in Las Vegas. And um, there might have been some, I mean, there there were good looking women in this show. I do remember that. And and I wasn't feeling that good looking. I just had a baby. And sure. And, uh, you know, our child took a lot of uh, a lot of energy in ways that maybe some other babies don't. And so um, I, there might have been some, but it wasn't it for me at that point. It was more about not being part 
of what I had always been part of with him for six years. I had always, you know, been on stage with him. And that was that was the hardest part. But the other might have been mixed in just a little bit. We know how beautiful the women are in Vegas, you know, so I'm sure there was some of that. <laughs> and my beautiful friend, Dream of Denver, is our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast, powered by Speaker Match. We're talking about uh, her life with her late husband, Bob Denver, who played Gilligan on Gilligan's Island and Maynard on uh, Dobie Gillis. And and so, yeah, you're, you're doing this play, in, uh, or he's doing a play in, in Las Vegas. You're at the Plaza Hotel, which I've been to many times, and you're staying mm-hmm. back with your son, who you, you had sort of mentioned required a lot of extra care. And, and we should mention that Colin, uh, you found out uh, eventually, uh, was not just a colicky baby. He was not just a fussy baby. He was diagnosed with, with autism and, and pretty severe autism, and that changed the direction of both of your lives forever. Eventually, you know, you weren't able to appear with him anymore. Bob wasn't able to work much anymore because Colin required 24 seven care. And I wonder looking back on this now, if, if uh, you feel like you guys, the two of you took on more than you could handle by putting a, you know, your, your line in the sand and saying, you know what, Bob and Dreamva are going to take care of our son without extra help. Cause that's an amazingly difficult job. Yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? It's, you know, sometimes I do look at all of that and wonder, I think anybody does, you know, I second guess, was it the right thing to do? However, I know Bob and I both knew that we gave Colin um, a wonderful sense of self. He doesn't, you know, he is severely autistic. He's nonverbal. He's a grown man now. I've never had a conversation with him. I've never heard I love you, mom, and all of that. Um, you know, all of that is, I have my moments when that really, really can get to me. But thinking back, I, I know that we would still do it exactly the way we did it. Because honestly, and this sounds probably corny and cliche, but, but amazingly, as close as Bob and I were, this brought us closer and it just showed me that that showed both of us that we made uh, a commitment to each other. We said vows and, and we meant exactly what we said. It wasn't all a bed of roses. It wasn't the first six years, you know, a lot of traveling and working and going to Hawaii and doing, you know, wonderful things. And I'm so happy that we had those six years, but, but uh, because everything changed once Colin was diagnosed when he was two years old, um, but I, I still wouldn't change it because Bob and I just became closer and we just felt like we were doing the right thing for our son. And that was really all that all that mattered. Doesn't mean it wasn't frustrating and exhausting. And, you know, it's very to have a special needs person in your life, especially when you're the primary caregiver 24 seven is is depleting in every way you can imagine emotionally, financially. Uh, physically it's all, and it, and there were times when it got to be too much, but because, or it felt like it was too much, but because there were two of us, it seems like when one was absolutely worn out, the other one stepped up. I mean, we just, it worked that way for the 20 years, almost 21 years that we took care of Colin by ourselves. And I want people to know that about Bob, you know, because that is a, a really selfless, um, action i always felt on his part he quit working quit looking for series work he you know he did personal appearances because obviously you have to bring home the bacon but 
Uh, he wanted to be there with Colin and with me, and I will love him forever for that. You know, it's a pretty amazing thing, and and I think if if folks don't know your story or your and Bob's story with Colin, they would probably assume that hey, look, here's a guy who who grabbed lightning in the bottle twice. He had two huge TV shows with Dobie Gillis and Gilligan's Island, but after Gilligan's Island, he was typecast and wasn't able to to get working, so he just sort of drifted off into uh, oblivion. And and in fact, that's not the case at all. If you look back on the history of of Bob Denver. Bob was working a ton after Gilligan's Island. He did a bunch of TV shows and he, you know, did a lot of guest appearances on Love Boat and Fantasy Island and on and on and on. And there was a TV movie called The Invisible Woman. And, uh, you, you know, you guys did a, a, a series pilot together called Scamps. So it wasn't that offers weren't coming in. He literally said, I'm not going to do this anymore. We need to take care of our son. We're moving, uh, you know, away to a quiet, small town, your small town, your hometown of West Virginia. We're going to raise our son together. And that's a a pretty amazing, selfless thing. And and that brings me to, uh, before we run out of time, your children's book. Because when Colin was very small, uh, I know you used to read Dr. Seuss to him. And and Bob came to you one day with an idea for uh, for a book. And he thought you could do anything, I guess, because he just came up and said, you know, you should write this children's book, right? Yes, he did. 20 years ago, actually, he uh, because of our son and his love for Dr. Seuss and the fact that story time um, in our household was really, really special because autistic people often aren't affectionate. And our son uh, was not a hugger, cuddler, except for story time. And then he would snuggle in and lean up against you. And of course, as a mom, I love that. Sure. And so I read uh, Dr. Seuss tens of thousands of times, and I'm not kidding. Uh, I read it constantly. And Bob finally came to me 20 years ago, and he said, you know, I think you should – you're a good writer. I think you should write a children's book. Um, you know, you've got the rhyme thing down. And I said, well, yeah, but, you know, I'd have to come up with a premise that that little little guys would like. And he said, I already had the title. And I said, you do, do you? And he said, yes. And I said, so what is it? And he said, four bears in a bag. And I went, what would four bears be doing in a bag? And he winked at me and he went, that's what you got to figure out. (laughs) And that was so Bob. And I said, okay. And I did. And I wrote the story. And and, uh, at that time, it was four bears in a bag. And I wrote it. And Bob gave it a thumbs up. And and Colin, though he didn't have a book to look at, I read the pages to him. He seemed to like it. And. And then life got in the way. You know how that happens sometimes. Colin got older and uh, a little more difficult to handle. And, and then Bob got sick and and passed away. And the bears got put away until last spring, uh, last March, I think it was. You'll probably remember this. But uh, I ran across, I was doing spring cleaning and I ran across the pages and I read it. And I went, this is still a cute story. And you'd totally wow. basically forgotten about it at that point. Yeah, I had. I think it had resurfaced, oh, maybe not long after Bob died, you know, within a few years of that. But I, my head wasn't in any place to even give it a second glance. So uh, basically, yeah, it resurfaced after many, many years. And I don't know. I just looked at it, thought it was wonderful. I called you and I said, Burke, I've written a children's story. And I think you were like, huh? OK, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, 20 years ago, I wrote this. And we found a publisher right away, Headline Books, who, you know, thought it was worthy and thought it had potential. And 
And um, I think they were right, which makes me so happy. But a year later, here it is published, award-winning, just uh, a blessing in my life. This little book blesses me in ways I never expected. Because the thought of grandparents, when they tell me, oh, I'm buying this for my grandchild, I can't wait to read it with them. And I imagine them going home and cuddling up and, and they send me pictures of these moments with their their grandchildren or their children, it just fills my heart. That sounds corny, but I'm telling you, it fills my heart. It's an amazing thing. I love it. Dream of Denver, our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast. I very much remember when you you actually took pictures of the typewritten pages because that's how it was done 20 years ago. And and I have to ask you, before I let you jump, you said that, that Bob came to you some 20 years ago and said, you know, I know you can do this. You're, you're a good writer and all that. But, but at that point, you really weren't a good writer. You weren't a writer at all. So what was he talking about when he said you're a good writer? Well, actually, I had, um, you know, creative people have to have creative outlets. And all the years we were taking care of Colin, I had to have something creative to do. Right. So at one point, I don't think you even know this, but at one point I took our basic story and fictionalized it. I mean, changed the names and changed some of the circumstances and, but it was a, a famous person with a, a wife on the rise, having a baby, blah, 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 blah. And um, I actually did write uh, a full book prior to uh, Bob coming to me about four bears uh, that ended up in a box rather than a bag. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, I had written a book and Bob had read it. And uh, gosh, I should try to I should try to find that one somewhere. But it was a fictionalized version of our story because they say write about what you know, and that's what I knew. But at the time, it was a really wonderful creative outlet for me that just made me feel like I was doing something besides, uh, you know, the day-to-day care of Colin. So, yes, I had written one. So you didn't know that, did you? I had no idea. So you had an audience of one, but it was the most important one. It was your husband. and. He knew right. you were a good writer. And you know what? He was a good prognosticator as well because he saw the future and saw that someday there was a memoir that was fantastic about your life together. And now this award-winning book, this Four Bears in a Box, there's a great video trailer that a big-time Hollywood cartoon voiceover actor did. And there's music in there. And actor Kevin Sizemore is a part of that video version of the book. And it, it seems to have really struck a chord with kids who have been stuck at home during the pandemic. And, of course, their their parents and grandparents who – have, have been reading it to him. Hey, you're my friend, so I would support you no matter what. But I have to tell you, I'm so proud of you, and congratulations on Four Bears in a Box. It's fantastic. Thank you so much. And, you know, I'm proud of Gilligan's Dreams, too. I really wanted to write our story so that, you know, for people, there are a lot of touchstones in my life. And, and for people to be able to identify with losing a spouse or having a child diagnosed and all of that was important to me, and I wanted people to know who Bob was as a man, as opposed to uh, Gilligan or Maynard on television. And so I am, you know, Bob told me once, uh, many years before he got sick, he said to me when some, he was older than I was. So he said, if and when something happens to me, if you want to write a book telling our story, do it, but be honest and tell it like it was. And so that's what I tried to do. And I'm proud of both books. And he is, you know, they're both ways to to sort of honor his memory and and the love that we had together. I just feel like he's part 
obviously, of both books. If you want to pick up either of the books or find out more about DREMA and Bob's Denver Foundation, visit her online at dreamadenver.com. Dreamadenver.com books are also available at uh, amazon.com as well. Thanks for spending some time with me, buddy. Uh, Listen, anytime, you know that all you have to do is call, and I am so there. That's my friend, and now I can also say my friend and award-winning children's book author, Dreama Denver. <laughs> that has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? It does. I, I just, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling to me. It really is because it just, um, I hoped it would do well and people would like it, and and but to have it, it's won four awards so far, and some pretty impressive ones. So I couldn't be happier. And well-deserved. Four Bears in a Box from Headline Books. Again, you can pick it up at dreamadenver.com, at amazon.com, wherever fantastic books are sold. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening today to the Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network, brought to you by our friends at speakermatch.com. Be safe. Stay healthy. Thank you so much for listening. Now go out there and make it a great day.